Welcome to the March 30th edition of the PFF Forecast. It is the last March PFF Forecast, which means we're almost in the month of April, which is draft month. So we are going to do our first mock draft. Now, you know that we don't just do normal bullshit on this podcast. We, we really try to take it to the next level. So this isn't just like what we wish would happen or what we talk to some random beat writer about what will potentially happen. This is based on the betting market and us trying to kind of figure out what the betting market consensus would be for how the top 10 picks will go. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, we're also going to talk about Eric and I both wearing glasses. Let's rock. did this just for you i usually you're alone you know in in the sophisticated glasses look and since we were both at home today i figured i would i would look a little more scholarly today uh yeah i think you look great um hair is flowing you know yeah are you are you uh due for a haircut here you know it's funny that you should mention that i am very much due for a haircut here and you know Look, this is, I mean, people love to hate me for this, but if you're new to the, if you're new to the forecast, um, you may, you may want to know that, uh, while I live in Cincinnati, I do not get my hair cut in Cincinnati, but now that I don't have as much reason to travel, um, I don't get my hair cut as often because I only get a cut if I'm in LA or DC or New York. Interestingly, I've actually counted the number of times I've gotten a haircut in Cincinnati and it's less than a half a dozen times. How often do you get your haircut? Ah, uh, like once every two months. So I guess we've lived here going on almost three and a half years. So, you know, carry the two. I mean, it's like less than one in three times I go. What's your least favorite thing about getting your haircut? Are you, are you a, oh, go ahead. First of all, I can't I'll believe, I can't believe you, uh, you didn't like my Instagram post. So I said, check, uh, using of the Rogaine check. When you made sorry, of- you know, sorry, I'm not h- hunting down your Instagram. So the algorithm this- doesn't show me every one of your posts. It's I not know, it's like bad. My- it's bad. It's bad. So, um, for me now, as I get, as I'm getting like, I'm 36, I'm getting a little older. It's telling. So growing up, I had thick hair, like very mm-hmm. thick so that I'd have to tell the, the barber, I'm like, you got to take the shears and you got to thin it out. And mm-hmm. then like, it honestly just happened once where I'm like watching one of our videos and I'm like, I'm losing my hair. So like now, obviously I got all the products, by the way, keeps, hymns, whatever, any, any of the pronouns <laughs> come get us. Okay. Come get us. I'll, I'll, I'll use you. Um, but then like now it's instead of saying, Hey, can you like thin out the top? It's like, Hey, watch yourself with the top. Don't, don't thin it out too much. Cause I don't want to like come out of this thing. So, so your can... least favorite thing about getting your haircut is that your hair has started thinning. Correct. You don't have anything bad to say about the haircutting process because I have many problems with it. I mean, it's like I hate going back. I hate going back and being like, "Hey, look, you kind of you kind of screwed this part up," and I'm too mm. Minnesota passive aggressive. How often have you done that? How often like have you felt times? like you needed to do that? Oh my god! So, so you're like, getting the a haircut is, at like, the wrong places. Look, man, 
cultural differences between us two. I'm a, I'm a passive aggressive Minnesota person. I, I'm already like, I'm a mathematician too. So if you're going to touch me for like 45 minutes and then you're going <laughs> to let me go, I'm not going to be like, Hey, touch, if, if you're like, going to touch me for 45 minutes, it better be a, a massage. I, it better be of the Robert Kraft ilk. Maybe I, Stop. I, I'm just kidding. But anyway, so can't say that now. too soon, but, um, you know, so like for me, it's like, I'm, I'm sort of shy. Right. So like somebody cuts my hair, they're like, what do you do for a living? All this kind of stuff. And, and then like, they do the whole thing where they look at you, they see if your back's all lined up and all this Yeah. They stuff. show, they show it all around. Yeah. yeah and they then, ask you how it looks. And I do, that's I, do it looks. Now, I do one of these. I do one of these. That's then, like, your chance. What's right. That? When they ask you how it looks, that's your chance. That's your chance. But like, the second in what you other walk industry out, does somebody like, Hey, is how does it look? And you're like, like shit, you know, like it, it you know, you're, it's, the, the Minnesota, I have plenty of those stories. <laughs> I know. I, well, I get that, but you're different than not me. not from getting not from getting my haircut, just like in general. But here's here's what I'll say: if you, the problem that you have is thinking about going back to the same person to get it fixed. Oh no, I don't. Right? If you're gonna, if you are unhappy with it, you got to go somewhere else to get it fixed. Um, look, I could talk about this for a while. My least favorite part is having to explain what you want you know, the hair to look like, right? That, that I think is, um, is really frustrating, but I do have an innovation in haircutting that I like a lot, which is traveling haircutters. Um, so the place I go to in Los Angeles actually has like a really cool, like, I don't know if you call it a bus or whatever, but they, it's, it's, I mean, you're thinking of like a, like a bus that you ride. It's not that, but like, uh, it's probably more like a, um, uh, talent trailer for like movies, mm-hmm. I guess is probably more what it's like. And they have two haircutting stations and like a bar in this thing. And they go park it at either the, it'll be at hotels or whatever around LA. And that's, that's where I go. And it's, it's super convenient because like if they're, if they're further away, you don't have to go that day. They're closer to you. You know, obviously it makes more sense. So it's traveling, but not in like the traveling salesman, expensive, get on a flight way. It's more of the like food truck way. Yeah, it's not coming to you to like specifically, right? But it's coming to you generally, like what the general the movie vicinity. Chef would have either. been about that instead of a food truck. <laughs> Probably wouldn't have been as exciting. I think watching people make food is a lot more interesting than watching people cut hair. Oh, um, uh, maybe not. Uh, before we get rolling here with the mock draft, a brief reminder that um, it, you know, as we talked about, the draft is like. Gosh, 25 days away. It's insane. Um, And that means if you are trying to get ready, you're trying to cram, and you have no idea what is going on with any of these players, you should head to pff.com and get 25% off promo code forecast on any PFF subscription that includes uh, the Edge subscription, which gets you PFF's NFL draft guides, the best one that you will find out there continually gets updated. You get a lot of these draft guides that come out once. It's like, you know, great, big whoop. These get updated as we get closer to the draft with more information, with more cool features. Um, it has our interactive big board, um, all of our great locked article content. And then if you get an elite subscription, which is a little more expensive, but it's worth it because it gets you all of the great betting tools, including the player props tool and the best bets tool for the 2022 NFL season. So use promo code forecast, F-O-R-E-C-A-S-T for 25% off at PFF.com. Go get it now. Okay, 
Uh, you want to set this up how you think about um, the the draft from a betting perspective? Yeah. So, uh, you know, this year has been interesting because you have not gotten – you didn't get the explosion of draft props as quickly, I thought, as last year. Um, and especially the pandemic year when there was really nothing to bet on uh, in, the mar- in the month of March and April. So this year was slow to go. Um, I remember being at the Combine. There was only a handful of props that you were able to get. Um, but as these things start to trickle in, I think we get a decent amount of clarity as far as what people are expecting. Now, these are not as sharp as sides and totals, and they change extremely drastically uh, as things evolve. But what I want to do here, and I think eventually we'll put an article together as these things start to materialize. Last year we did a a full first round based upon betting markets. I think we'll do that again as this, you know, sort of as the prop market continues to large enlarge. Um, but the top 10 is actually fairly easy to crystallize using the betting markets. Um, and so let's go through and do this. This again, like I, I know Brad Spielberg had a tweet about this yesterday. Uh, I sort of followed up with it. This is not me and George's opinion for the most part. This is us interpreting the markets and what that means, um, you know, reading a little bit between the tea leaves. Now, there's some editorial process with it, but uh, I think that this is a fairly good synopsis of where things could go um, in the top 10. Yeah, and, and to be clear, like, I think there are some here that are not particularly shrewd. Um, I, I think we may agree on, on some of those. There are also some players who the consensus has really fallen on yes. and I think we'll see that here in players that gosh I think people would have thought were a lock for the top 10 that are that are not a lock for the top 10 yeah and if you're thinking about betting this you know I think it's a good thing to sort of take a look at where the consensus is and then you can go shop around right these are not sides and totals where there's a ton of efficiency throughout the market I mean you know, you could go from book to book and find some different stuff and you can wait for information and there'll be books that'll be slow to move and you can pick off some value that way if that's how you get your rocks off. Um, or you can also just think about, gosh, there's maybe my team's got a chance at getting one of these guys that's falling or, um, you know, think about what trades could happen. And I actually, I, I as I look at this, there are some trade possibilities that now open up based on where I think we're seeing certain players look more and more likely to go. Um, so anyways, um, yeah, and, let's... And, and I think to, to underscore what you're saying, um, let me actually give you guys a little bit of context because when Tyree Kill got traded, we were going to do this last week. And so just just as a, an, an understanding of where things have traveled during this time, um, last week, this, this is the order. I'm just going to say it briefly and you can go back and reference it, but it was going to be... Hutchinson, Willis, Walker, Iquanu, Hamilton, Neal, Gardner, Thibodeau, Pickett, Stingley. That was the list. Now, things uh, have you changed. Just gave, you gave so much away. I don't think <laughs> no, so. Because I don't think things A lot have, has changed. A, a lot, lot has changed. changed. So we're going to go. Not at the for, top, though. Not at the top. The first the first pick is going to be Aiden Hutchinson. But here's the thing. And, and I think, again, this is why the context is important. Last week when we were doing this exercise, Hutchinson was minus 400 to be picked first, which is an 80% break even. 
Now he's minus 250 to be taken first, which, again, people in the betting space oftentimes don't really, they think that that's a huge move. It's an 8.6% move. So that's still a lot. It's not, that's 8.6% in, in the tide in total would be immense. Um, but it is a change. He's still the favorite, um, but he's not the, as big of a favorite as he was last week. Okay. Um, I have a couple of thoughts here. The first is, I understand why Aiden Hutchinson is the pick. Um, it is really, this is a really bad break as it currently lands for the Jaguars. And it's not because Aiden Hutchinson isn't a great player and maybe, you know, he could he could be an all-time player. That's, that's, that's in his cards, although probably not as much so as some of the, you know, as a Miles Garrett, for example, right? Who, um, you know, was was a person who you're like, oh my God, yeah, number one, right? Um, the reason this stinks for the Jaguars, but they may have a chance at redemption, is that when you get the number one overall pick, like if you got the number one overall pick last year, like the Jaguars did, that was super valuable, right? Because everyone wants Trevor Lawrence. There's so few teams that wouldn't be like, yeah, I'd love a crack at Trevor Lawrence. When you get the number one pick in a draft without a clear-cut number one, quarterback that pick just loses so much utility so much utility and in a draft where we were seeing you know no quarterbacks really viewed as like a guy that you've got to go grab it made it really impossible for the Jaguars to to try and make a move here but I think there's a chance that might be turning around the second thing that I want to bring up is I want to ask you this question what would you put the percent chance? Um, so percent chance that Hutchinson is better than Kayvon Thibodeau? I think it's like 52 and a half percent. Okay. Who has the better chance of being a top five pass rusher in the NFL? Uh, I think it's Thibodeau, but I don't think it's like that big. I think it's probably two and a half percent more. So I think like is the that... difference between the two guys in both areas is not big. Yeah. I think it's really interesting that Kayvon Thibodeau has fallen so far. And I think he's going to be the steal of this draft if he's falling as far as people think. Um, and I'm not sure there should be that big of a difference between Hutchinson and Thibodeau if it even should be in that order. Yeah. Um, okay, pick two. This is the a little bit of the editorial process, and this is because we've we've said no trades. Um, with the second overall pick, the Detroit Lions take Malik Willis of Liberty. Um, a few things here. Um, he's minus two hundred to be the first quarterback taken when we were at the combine. He was plus one fifty. Um. He, last week at this time, he was second in the second overall. This is how much things change. Uh, Kyle Hamilton was 3-1 to one to be the second overall pick, and that was the favorite last week. Um, Malik Willis was 4-1. to one. Now the numbers, he's actually second behind a tie between Trayvon Walker at plus 250 and Aiden Hutchinson at plus 250. Aiden Hutchinson at plus 250 would be the event that Trayvon Walker went first. Um the Lions are second favorite to draft Malik Willis at plus 350 behind the Panthers at plus 250. So, again, this is a situation where there isn't somebody at – there isn't a 
there isn't a and, and there's no over under on Malik Willis on either DraftKings or FanDuel uh, draft position. I think that's telling. Um, Willis, I think this is the Lions maybe ginning up interest for Willis, and I've and I've said I've been steadfast in this belief that I think the Steelers. There's a point at which the Steelers are going to move up and take Willis. I don't know if two is the right move. That's a huge jump from 20 to two. Um, it's more picks and more valuable picks than the Chiefs went from 27 to 10 for Mahomes. Um, the Rams went from 15 to one for Jared Goff. The Eagles went from, help me out here, like 13 to two for Wentz. Yeah. So it's not, it's not completely outside the realm of possibility to go all the way up for two, but it's not all that clear. Um, the other teams that could move up to two, Washington Commanders, they don't have a third-round pick to, to deal with. They also don't have a great roster, so I don't know if they'll move all the way up to two. Seattle, Atlanta, and Carolina are all, like, bad roster teams, so I don't know if they're, like, all that willing to move a mountain to move up to two. So if you're Detroit, and I, and I guess this is part of my editorialization of this, Trayvon Walker last year last has prior to last year played less than 500 snaps less than 400 snaps at georgia this year played less than 600 had just 34 pressures um and just 20 stops tested off the charts i don't think detroit of all teams is going to take trayvon walker because he's some sort of freak that at the combine that hasn't really performed all that well on the I agree. This is where, if the Jaguars are a smart organization, they need to be. They need to be paying everyone they possibly can find to write that the Lions are interested in Willis and what a generational talent Malik Willis is, um, so that they they could they should try. I mean, they probably won't succeed. I don't think it has a high chance of happening. But if there were a clear cut great quarterback in this draft, the Jaguars would be holding a. It, you know, it, it's the king's ransom, right, at the end of this. And might have a chance. And I'm making a big deal about this because, like, they are a bad team. The Jaguars stink. And they have an opportunity to get a lot of good players. Right now they're in a position where they're going to take a, you know, a, a coin flip, albeit a decently weighted one, at the top of the draft on, you know, probably a pass rusher. They have a lot more needs than that. So I, I don't think it's going to happen, but you know that to me is where this makes sense. Real quick on Willis. This is interesting. If you combine the last two draft classes, Dwayne McFarlane tweeted this out um, a few days ago, a week ago. Um, Malik Willis in, in the last two draft classes combined has the highest big-time throw rate. Hmm. Also has the 15th best PFF passing grade. Uh, the the highest sack rate and the highest turnover-worthy play rate. Also the highest scramble rate. Um, I, how much, I mean, like, where does he deserve to be taken, I guess? Well, I think if, I think if you, if you view the quarterback position as, as one where you can build around the player with the other players and just and and buy into the upside. I think two is look, 
he's not I, I would have put him probably of the last two quarterback classes probably he's a little bit behind Lance right so he'd be sixth for me um but the upside's there. The problem with him, he is he had a high wins above average. The the hard part with Liberty is he played with bad players and he played against bad players. Mm-hmm. So it, it's really hard. Um, the the big time throw rate's a, a huge deal. That shows you the you you know the the positivity there. Our projections for him are not great. There were you know six point seven yards per pass attempt, where you know the guys like Lawrence and Wilson and. And Mac Jones and all that were seven, seven point one, seven point two median, which is pretty damn good. Uh, last year's quarterback class was great. This year one isn't. But I, I think the upside there, you know, I, I've sort of thought about him as Dante Culpepper like, where you have the big body, you have the strong arm, you have the mistakes, um, you have the sacks taken, um, but you put him on an offense with playmakers and things like that and again that's where the sticky wicket is with Detroit because you don't really have those uh, you got Chark you got uh, Aramon St. Brown TJ Hawkinson maybe they're starting to build something there it's a tricky one because I just don't know like outside of taking Kayvon Thibodeau which they don't appear to want to do this to me is the best option if they can't trade yeah I, I do kind of agree with you and you know here's the thing if he's good, then great. If not, you're a pretty bad team, and you'll be in a place to take quarterback next year. You were going to be a bad team with Jared Goff anyway. Like that's like I think the, the biggest thing. And the problem with the Lions, and I I got roasted for this on Twitter when I tweeted out a mock draft that's that me. had them taking one of the tackles. The other problem is is like if you don't take an edge, you are not taking a tackle either. Because and so like think about where the Lions are. The last time they had a top three pick. They took Jeff Akuda, and Jeff Akuda is a combination of still on the team and bad. And do you really want to take like Sauce Gardner at two, knowing the volatility of that position and and knowing that like you know there, he's a project probably at two relative to what you otherwise could take, and you're not taking Aquanu, Neal, or Cross. So that that's kind of where I see this as Malik Willis and. It's sort of, and, and here's the other thing, when you back-engineer the rest of this draft, as I hope you guys will all see, Willis at two makes the rest of the numbers make sense. So it's kind of what I think the books are believing, too, and probably why the books haven't hung out a over-under draft prop for him. You know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. I think if the books put out like six and a half, let's say, put it right on the Panthers pick, I think under is just a complete set. If you put it at two and a half, then I think everybody's grabbing over. And everything in between is kind of dead. Houston's not taking him. The Jets aren't taking him. The Giants might probably aren't taking him. So it, it's a really hard handicap, um, yeah. which takes I, me to I, the Houston Texans. This is going to be a treat. So I put Trayvon Walker. The the favorites are both tackles. Aquanu's plus one eighty. Neal's three to one. Last week Kyle Hamilton was plus seven fifty. He's now plus nine hundred. And now Walker is five to one, but you have to add to that the fact that Walker is the second favorite to be the first overall pick and the favorite to be the second overall pick. You have to add that to the fact that he's the third favorite to be the third overall pick, right? Like that's mm-hmm. that's part of this shtick here. And when I think about the Texans, Hamilton's not really an option, but I'll even just throw that out there. They re-signed Eric Murray, one of their safeties. I know they lost Justin Reed to the Chiefs, but they re-signed Eric Murray to play safety. 
They also decided to keep Laramie Tunsil. Uh, Laramie Tunsil was a guy that they were thinking about trading, but ultimately they kept him. Um, I'm, I'm trying to remember the Howard was the they had an, they have another high draft pick that is that they eventually want I think to play tackle. He's been playing guard. Like I don't think the tackle is really where the Texans are going to look here. And and to me, they're the team that is ripe to fall for the trap of a great testing guy who's not that good at football relative to his testing. Yeah, when is the last guy who was this great of an athlete and had PFF grades of, you know, so just to add more context to what you said, he played 596 snaps this past season at a 71 PFF grade. It was 303rd of 824 edge defenders. Uh, in 2020, he had 200 snaps, which is not a lot, had a 70 PFF grade. In 2019, 194 snaps, 56.9 PFF grade. Now he's 6'5", 275, and, you know, tested out of the um, out of the gym, you know, jumped out of the gym, ran really fast, all those things. Um, that made no sense, but you get it. Um, but it's interesting. Like, strength, explosiveness, there. But if you only if you have those things and you grade so poorly, like that just means you're, you know, you're you're good if put in a position where those things can win, right? But if you have to win by yourself, you know, if you have to win with tactics and you know you have to stay on balance and you have to use your hands and you have to get one of the things that's interesting is he's a really good athlete, but like his bend isn't really there. Um, and I, I just know this because I, I know that Mike has watched him a ton and talks about this. And this is in the PFF draft guide that you can get with promo code forecast, F-R-E-C-A-S-T. Um, so that would be concerning to me. And Well, also, by the way, they, he played on one of the best college football defenses right. that has existed. In the I, last was told, I was told they were the 85 there. Bears. Yeah. Like, isn't that a huge red flag? I agree. So, but but Houston feels like the team to to really buy into a player like that. So, let's go there. Um, it, can I just York say Jets. this real quick? Okay. If Trayvon Walker gets taken over Kayvon Thibodeau, that is an absolute disgusting yeah. waste of a pick. By the way, um, if you want, it, so a couple bets that come out come out from this is Neil and Iquanu. They I've already bet both of them over draft position three and a half. Uh, Neil is. Minus money, Kwanu is plus money uh, to go over draft pick three and mm. a half. Um, if this is how you see it going, Jaguars, defensive end, Lions, either Lions not a tackle, and then Texans, Walker, then that's your out for either one of the two, Kwanu or Neal, to hit there, and possibly both. Um, speaking of, our Jets at four, Iki Aquanu tackle North Carolina state Aquanu wants the underdog to be the first tackle to be the first lineman taken when Evan Neal was the favorite to be the first overall pick right around the combine. Um, he goes here. I know the jets have George fans who has developed. Okay. But Kai Becton is coming off of an injury. They have Whitehead at safety uh, to go with uh, LaMarcus Joyner. So the Hamilton thing, I also think, you know, a team that just took a safety in the top 10, kind of looking at that and saying, do we want to do that again with Jamal Adams? Um, Akeem Aquanu is minus 120 to be the first offensive lineman taken. 
His draft position is three and a half with the over minus 105, under minus 125. So, like, this is all very congruent with what should happen, right? So, Jets, Jets Aquanum at four. It's interesting. The Jets took Makai Becton, who has played well. Um, you know, obviously was injured last year, and they need him back. But what did we say about Makai Becton? Well, the guy's a physical freak of nature. But the guy was switching from left to right tackle. Like, we've never seen him take real, you know, he, didn't, he had the fewest true pass sets, I believe, of any player playing at Louisville. And that's the same story with Aquanu. Like, he is a massive human being with just tremendous athleticism. 6'4", 320. He's not quite Mekhi Becton, but, like, dude is a beast. And um, was absolutely dominant as a run blocker as well. So, a 94 pass block grade, um, 78. Uh, sorry, 78 pass block grade, 94 run blocking grade. So, it it really does seem like if there's a team that's going to take a chance on a guy that physically is there, but mechanically is not, it could be the Jets. Yeah, and... Um... Jets also pick at 10. Um, so there's an opportunity to help Zach Wilson at both of those spots there. Um, like we talked about in the last forecast, they're a team with not that many great players, but not that many holes, which makes like this draft kind of tough from a handicapping perspective. Mm -hmm. All right, number five, speaking of a team from New York, uh, we have Evan Neal going to the Giants at pick five. This is a pick that changed from the last time. Um Neil's draft position is three and a half, but it's minus 165 to the over. Um, the Giants have Andrew Thomas, who struggled as a rookie, but played well last year. Uh, the fourth overall pick, the top lineman taken in 2020. Um, they have Matt Pert. Uh, I call Matt Neil Pert at right tackle um, out of UConn, but not a great prospect. Probably better to be a swing guy as a third round pick. Um Again, th this just makes sense with the with the markets as they are, right? Like three and a half, second offensive lineman taken, not that far off numbers-wise from being the first offensive lineman taken. Uh, Giants go with Evan Neal with the fifth pick. Yeah, maybe it makes sense from a betting market perspective. I think this would be a cat catastrophe of a pick uh, if they actually made it. Um, I, I mean, they could – look, I, I'm interested in this. How much do you think the recent success of highly drafted receivers will have on this draft? Well, I think the markets would suggest not that much. Um, and I think I, – here's the thing. I think NFL teams, especially bad ones, choose to look at the losses more than they choose to look at the wins. Hmm. So – you know, obviously Chase is great. Actually, I redid the, the NGS numbers. Chase had the best season we've ever seen from a uh, NGS adjusted deep ball, which I think everybody would say, oh, yeah, no shit. Um, you know, you had Waddle who played well. You had Smith who played well. But you turn the clock over a year from there, and, you know, it's like Rager played horribly. Ruggs is out of the league. Um, you know, it's 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 interesting. And, and, I, and I think you have the best wide receiver in the draft is injured right now. And I know yeah. he showed out today in Alabama's Pro Day. 
or it was something where he was working out. He looked fantastic. I think that changes things a little bit. You're talking I, about I Jameson Williams? Yeah, I don't see yeah, he was, a wide receiver going in the top, let's say, before pick eight. Yeah. Like, I, I just I just think that the league – you remember the year where it was Ruggs, Lamb, Judy, Jefferson, Rager. Uh, you I act do, like that was like 10 years ago. Um, yeah, it felt like – No, it's, it's a good point. It's a good point. Um, top one and, win and, at 11, I believe, right? Yeah, and I think the, the tough thing here is there isn't a guy like Chase – tested like an absolute maniac and also put up ridiculous numbers. There's not anyone that has quite blown it off, you know, the, the board there. Um, the PFF grades for their current starting edge rushers are 78th and 83rd. So I'm going to say this once again, if Kayvon Thibodeau is there and they take a, a tackle here, I, I think it's a, I, I think it's a, it's a poor move and I would say that it's probably doing a little too much for Daniel Jones at this point. Like, <laughs> I think you've got to watch Daniel Jones maybe get rid of the ball a little more quickly one time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yep. Uh, the other thing about bad teams is I love building around linemen first. It's true. It's a really good point, right? Because, like, you can't – nothing can happen until you've solidified the, the – These are all bad teams, right? I think line. Detroit is, like, the least bad of them process-wise – um, and that's why I gave them Willis. But all these teams love building in the trenches first. Let's be honest. Okay. Spe- hold on. Hold on. Speaking okay. of building in the trenches, if you want to make sure your trenches are built right, oh. make sure you pick up the Performance Package 4.0 at Manscaped. You can get it for 20% off and free shipping with the exclusive code PFF entered at checkout. Um, you will make sure that you are smooth ready to rock wherever you go. And here's the great thing. As I've told you guys many times, I use the Lawnmower 4.0. I continue to use it. I'll let you know if I stop. I'll let you know if I find something better. I can promise you this. Um, it's uh, super safe. You can use it anywhere. Um, yet it is uh, it gets you close and makes sure you don't have to like, you know, trim once, trim again, trim again, pray. Um, so you can set yourself up for success for the summer. Summer is coming. It's right around the corner. It's like we're getting some mid-70s days. Um, the last thing that you want to do is be a prickly pear when you're trying to go to the beach. It's just just not going to work. So go pick it up. Get 20% off um, and free shipping with promo code PFF at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping. Manscaped.com. Promo code PFF. Okay. okay. Let, now let's we get this, the second half going. Okay. Speaking of teams that may or may not have a clue. The Carolina Panthers, and this, again, is consistent with the betting markets more than anything. Kayvon Thibodeau, Edge, Oregon. Panthers lost Hassan Reddick in free agency. Uh, Brian Burns is pretty damn good. I I can't remember. Did Did they sign Burns to an extension? I don't remember hearing that, no. Yeah, but he's like near the end of his rookie deal. He's a former first-round pick. He's a he's a wonderful player. Um, yeah, it doesn't look like so. You know, this gives them some outs if they don't like Kenny Pickett. Which I mean, and, and I think the sixth pick is super rich for Kenny Pickett. Don't you? I I couldn't agree more. By the way, I can already tell the people are going to be frustrated with the number of times that I'm like sniffling over here. Yeah. I don't have anything to blow my nose into. I'm not like over here, like doing bumps of cocaine. I just want to let you guys know. You're, you're not um, a shirt guy either. No, um, no. <laughs> um, Brian Burns, by the way, 110th 
run defense grade, 34th pass rush grade. He clearly knows where his bread is buttered, and that's where he is. Yeah, yeah. He's the, that's, the, that's what I call the Yannick Ngakwe split. Um, Thibodeau's number's five and a half, um, and, and that's based – and the over, though, is juiced minus 188. So this would seem uh, at least like if we're pro Kayvon Thibodeau and we're pro yeah. the league sort of wising up, this appears to be the pick that makes the most sense relative to the betting markets. Um, and, and again, I, like I, I said, I think pick six is just too rich for Kenny Pickett. Like, I don't think – I can't imagine they think that he's that big of an upgrade over Darnold, even with, at price, and nor do I think – that Fitterer um, is really going to want to like, let's say you take a quarterback and then they fire Matt rule like halfway through the season, then what, you know, then you have kind of what the bears are going through with, with fields where it's not clear to me that Ryan polls, like, and he doesn't have to do this. Ryan polls is maneuvering it all with respect to fields. He's just doing his own thing. And he happens to have a quarterback on a rookie deal on his team. Right. Uh, I don't know if you take Pickett to try to save this marriage. It doesn't feel right. Yes, I, I would agree 100% there. What I think is interesting is, just like we talked about with the Giants, like I think for the Giants, it actually makes more sense for them to take an edge rusher. And I think for the Panthers, with Cam Irving over there at left tackle, it probably makes more sense for them to take a, a tackle. Now, Charles Cross has not gone off the board yet. He is basically a lock to be a top 10 pick. Um but I believe his over-under is seven and a half. So this would be, you know, a little, you know, not, not too early, but maybe a little bit early um, for the Panthers. Here's the thing. I think if you get to this point and Kayvon Thibodeau is still on the board, you're taking him. And so I think that's where this calculus changes, right? Where it's like, yes, we'd probably rather grab a tackle, but, you know, maybe the most talented person in this draft is still there at six. Let's go. Let's go scoop him up. And maybe you're the Giants, and you and you trade up for him, knowing that you you have an edge issue, that kind of thing. Like that, there there's a trade up possibility here at six that maybe people aren't dealing with. All right, this one is interesting. Giants, Giants at, seven. at seven. Yeah, are going to go with Sauce Gardner, the corner from Cincy. Um, rumors are that they are willing to trade uh, James Bradbury. I've been on like a number of different radio shows over the last like few days, and and they always ask me about, oh, are the Chiefs interested in Bradbury? And I'm like, they should be at the right price. But, like, I have no idea why the Giants are sideways with Bradbury. He's a good player. And mm-hmm. I know Adoree Jackson played okay last year. He's inconsistent. Um, and, and, again, they're, they want to move Bradbury. Uh, Gardner is way more, like, he's, like, minus 400 to be the first corner taken. Um, which is, I have a bet, actually, on Stingley at, like, plus money. But I don't think it's going to hit. I do think it's Gardner's going to be the it's first be corner. Gardner. His over-under is eight and a half. Um, hard to see the Falcons taking him. And it's minus 165 to the under. So I think that this is where he ends up going. Um, and the Giants come out of this draft with two premium position players, a tackle and a, and a corner, um, even though they need an edge. Um, that's where they go here. Bradbury... Um has had a really good 2020 seventh highest graded corner in 2020, but um, not a great year last year, just the 58th um, best grade last season. And we know this about coverage players, like 
grade is unstable. So, you know, good luck, good luck using recent, you know, production on the field to like truly predict how a player is going to play. If you're a team out there that's contending and James Bradbury is on the, on the block, you should be interested (laughs) like 1000%. But if you're the giants and you look at yourself and you go, well, league rules, we can't have more than, than two court uh, cornerbacks. So, you know, we got to get rid of James Bradbury so we can put sauce Gardner in there for what it's worth. Love sauce Gardner um, as a person, as a, as a spirit, as an idea, <laughs> as a, a great theme. representation of the, the great city of Cincinnati, great city here. of Cincinnati. Yeah, exactly. And um, I mean, he's a perfect guy for New York slash New Jersey. Um, you know, obviously like he can't play quarterback and that's, you know, really where it will be determined for them. But I, I, this is one of the picks that I really do like quite a bit. And I do think it's interesting if the giants come out of, you know, this top, you know, picks five and seven, they don't have an edge rusher, but they do get a really, a really strong tackle and defensive back. Like that can make a big difference for your team. Like there's no doubt about it. Yep. Yep. Uh, okay. Um, Another one that's consistent with the markets here, Falcons at eight are going to take Charles Cross, tackle Mississippi State. Uh, per DraftKings, Cross is minus 555 um, to be taken in the top 10, so, you know, 85, 90%. Um, and the Falcons are, uh, you yeah, know, his draft position is seven and a half on DraftKings, over is minus 135, so at eight, that makes some sense. Uh, Falcons are a, yeah. Falcons are a silly team rebuilding, so tackle is probably the first place they want to look. They just extended Jake Matthews, but um, Caleb Aguirre and and um, uh, the other gentleman they drafted in 2019 in the first round, Brad Spielberg wrote an article. Uh, he, he and I sort of discussed these. I think both guys, Lindstrom and him, are probably both either like not going to get the fifth-year option. So I think Cross is a good uh, player to put here as a cornerstone player. Um, what do you think, George? Yeah, I agree. There's a couple of reasons. The first is, um, well, the Falcons stink. They stink out loud. Dude, they're horrible. They're, they're, uh, they're we have stink out loud. We are going. This is going to be one of the biggest. Look, we've been doing. We've been talking to each other about football for gosh, almost five years now. It's really been five freaking years. Um, this is going to be one of the biggest 180s in human history. We would have laid on train tracks for our Falcons. I can't wait. I'm so glad. I'm going to fade the living hell out of the Atlanta Falcons next year. I don't care what it costs. I'm fading them. I hope A.J. Terrell finds his way out of there, Um, just like Julio did. Poor Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts needs to demand it. Kyle Pitts should have demanded a trade the second they signed Marcus Mariota. Now, I think it makes sense because Arthur Smith whose offense, it turns out, was not super great. Um, he's going to look at this offensive line, and his diagnosis is probably going to be, hmm, need it to be better. In reality, they actually had a center and a right guard, both great in the top 10. Caleb McGarry wasn't great at right tackle. Like, Jake Matthews is not a complete travesty over there at left tackle, 71 PFF grade. So I do think it makes sense from like this team is absolute 
dog you know what and like they're going to make some draft pick that's like not going to matter at all and I feel bad for Charles Cross. Here's my one question. Do you really believe they want to start Marcus Mariota? <sighs> yeah. Cuz that It's a, it's cause a that weird means... thing though because they were he was uh, you know not that necessarily um uh Arthur Smith was the one to bench him but like everybody's like the familiarity it's like yeah the one year that Mariota had at at Arthur Smith's offense, he got benched six games in. Right. Like, right. It, it's this weird thing, but I don't think the Falcons. Maybe they'll draft a quarterback, but I just, I also believe this. I think Arthur Smith, believe is is. I'm not saying he's on the Shanahan mindset because Shanahan clearly changed his mind last year at least a little bit to go up and get Lance. But there is a there is a string of thought among some of these offensive coaches that look, my offense works for Ryan Tannehill. You know? I just gotta get Ryan a right tackle. You know? Yeah. I just gotta get Mariota a right tackle. You know, it, my offense, any freak I love Kirk Cousins, because Kirk Cousins it's like it, it's it's that's my one worry about Arthur Smith. Well, it's not even my one worry. It's one worry I have about Arthur Smith. Is that is that they they didn't understand like the not taking fields last year in hindsight and and but even like we were we we understood the pits pick after the Matt Ryan extension but not taking fields last year is going to end up being a colossal failure for both the Panthers and the Falcons. Yeah, it's interesting, and people will say that will hear you say that and be like, "Well, what if what if Fields isn't any good?" And it's like. You take chances, right? Like, right now, they are going to have wasted two years, right? You mm-hmm. could have drafted Fields, learned whether he was good or not, and been in the right in the exact same position. Like, this isn't about guaranteeing success with one hit. This is about taking as many bites out of the get a great quarterback on a rookie deal apple as you can get. Like, yeah. that's what this is. And people who are like... Oh no, because like he wasn't super great last year and maybe he'll stink. It's like, yeah, maybe he will stink. That's the whole freaking point. Many of the guys, just because you then take a guy next year, maybe he will stink too. There's a damn good chance he will stink too. And the problem is, is that people keep kicking the can down the road and being like, the perfect guy will show up, the perfect guy will show up. No, he won't. Because you're sitting here right now being like, should we take Kenny Pickett and his two inch uh, hands? And you're like, no, we can't do that. We got to wait till next year. Okay, well, what about next year? What if like, I think the you know? I think the fundamental misunderstanding is summarized pretty well in that one tweet that said I can't remember what the parameters were, but it was basically 2015 to 20. Maybe it was whatever. It was like the uh, all, all these quarterbacks were taken in the first round of you know let's say 2015 to 2017, and only ones left with their team, or maybe it was. Mm. It was all this like, and it's like, yeah, but Goff took the Rams to the Super Bowl, and Wentz took the Eagles to the Super Bowl, and Mariota took the Titans from the number two overall pick in 2015 to nine and seven in 2016, nine and seven in 2017. They won a nine and playoff seven and nine in 2018, and you know. And Jameis Winston had the Bucks from the first overall pick in 2015 to nine and seven in 2016. I I don't think we really 
I think our expectations when we draft quarterbacks in the first round is that this guy is going to be the forever quarterback for our team. And I, I'm with you. Like, what are the other outcomes? Well, the one outcome is that he's horrendous, like Josh Rosen. Yep. And is that really that bad? Because then you got Kyler Murray near the playoffs two years later. Or he's, like, okay. And, like, honest to goodness, you have to be a pretty shitty franchise not to take a rookie quarterback who's okay and make the playoffs. Let me summarize it in a fairly more well-known uh, statement. Some people may not know the tweet you're referencing. This is a Michael Jordan quote. Um, <laughs> you miss. <laughs> I actually don't know if this is actually a Michael Jordan quote, but um, you miss every shot you don't take. Like, it's so true with quarterbacks. Like, yeah. you are, and it's true in a lot of different things, right? People are like, you know, overly patient or like, under, uh, you know, they're unwilling to like pull the trigger, like waiting for the perfect thing. This happens in like, you know, probably anywhere that you are working currently, you've seen this happen where like, instead of moving quickly and getting things out and being like, let me learn and then adjust. It's like, no, 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 I got to be like, I got to go one for one. Listen, yeah. I hate to break it to you, but like, if your plan is to go one for one, you're going to fail. So um, yeah. Anyways, we've talked about the Falcons for far too long. Um, <laughs> well, I'll, we'll just say we're out on the Falcons for a number of reasons. Okay. Seattle at nine. The draft position for this person is at nine and a half minus Desmond Ritter to both sides. I don't get it because <laughs> Charles Cross is our number one tackle, so I get him going at eight. Jermaine Johnson, edge, Florida State, goes to the Seattle Seahawks. Now, a number of reasons why I like him here. Okay, not that I like him. Go like I don't like the pick, but I like mm. handicapping him right here to Seattle. And here's why: Seattle drafts shitty players. Hi. <laughs> right? Yeah. I'm not like this is the perfect there. Seattle pick because like look, he's moving up these draft boards. You look at his numbers and everything, and he's not a terror like look, I, I don't mean he's I don't mean he's shitty. Yeah, like, don't be an wrong. Asshole. And actually Jordan Brooks, their first round pick a couple years ago, really graded well in one of our NGS metrics. So like I, I'm gonna eat a little bit of crow there, but this is that this is a Seahawks draft pick, isn't it? Like, take a yeah, guy that he, we have on our board at 25 and take him at 9? Yeah, and I don't want to sound like, you know, like, oh, like the PFF draft board knows all and everything. But, I mean, we grade every single player on every single freaking play. And then our draft analysts rewatch every single freaking play like five times. And, like, I don't know. I'm, I'm not – this isn't me. Like, I'll call it as I call it with most of the things at PFF. But, like, this this is what we do best. And I don't think anyone else does it better. Um, this this is he's an average athlete, which there's a part of me that does think that the Seahawks are like, oh, we're going to take a like unproven player, but like a good athlete. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you look at his, um, you know, if you look at his data, yeah, 81 PFF grade last year, 70 PFF grade each of the two years before. Kind of nondescript, um, but I like it. I like it a lot in the sense that it's like a complete, like out of left field one, um, <laughs> and that that just makes like so much sense. That's kind of why I like with the markets, right? Like yeah. the markets are the markets are saying essentially that the teams like the Falcons and the Seahawks, and maybe the Jets. The Jets, although the Jets have Carl Lawson and John Franklin Myers at edge. Giants need an edge. Like, this is, like, the spot if you go – if Thibodeau 
and uh, Hutchinson and, Ro- and Walker are all gone, and you don't like George Karloftis, who I, I don't understand what these people don't like about George Karloftis. The he's, guy's a freak, and he's a pretty good defensive end. Uh, he's productive. But anyway, so this guy's the third guy. His name's George. People, people are guy. anti-George. Yeah, people underestimate George's all the time. Yeah. I've always that's my That's been my market inefficiency is not doing <laughs> that. Um, okay. Lastly, the Jets, our Jets. Uh, Garrett Wilson, wide receiver, Ohio State. The, a, a few reasons why I think this makes sense. The Jets were in on Tyree Kill, which means that they, they're not completely satisfied with Corey Davis, Elijah Moore, Denzel Mims, Braxton Berrios. Uh, Garrett Wilson's draft position is 10.5 on DraftKings, and he's plus 115 to be the first wide receiver taken. I think some of these things are going to change by the time this comes out. But, like, as of right now, this is very consistent with where Garrett Wilson's props are. So, what do you think? I, I I don't know if he's the best wide receiver. I actually probably would make it somebody else, uh, London maybe. Um, but but he's, he appears to be the guy right now. Yeah, I don't really want to be the team that takes the first wide receiver here. Um, I would guess... I would guess Drake London is the consensus. Now, this is interesting. We are of the mind that you'd rather have separation, you know, like separate, like throwing to an open receiver basically doubles your expected outcome and yardage. And, you know, not that Drake uh, London can't separate, but like he's 6'5", 210, you know, that's not his game. Garrett Wilson is a separator. It would be interesting to see what they think Zach Wilson needs, right? Um, I personally, I got to be honest, like I want to take Jameson Williams. I know he tore his ACL, but I mean that, that he's the fastest guy. I, I, the dude is an absolute stud. That's the guy I want, um, and I would. I don't think he'll go that high, so I would wait. But I think this makes a ton of sense. You've invested in Zach Wilson. You've invested in the offensive line. Go get a wide receiver. I mean, this draft, like the salient thing that you're taking away from this draft after looking at those top 10 picks is like, oh, the Jets took a tackle and a receiver. Like, Zach Wilson, your move, bro. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, okay. So that seems a very, um, I think, coherent. Here's what, here's what I'll say now, okay? Next week, so we're going to do over under uh yeah, win totals on sunday um next week we're gonna have to record a little bit early because i'm going out of the country um but we should think about because i was thinking about doing this and without malik willis going second because i think it makes it a lot harder actually don't you think i do i think it's kind of fun to think about um yeah, that would be interesting. I think we should. Yeah, because I think that that's a, a harder exercise. Because as I think the I hope the listeners heard here, like it's actually not that difficult to fit the puzzle pieces once Will Willis goes second. But one, if Willis doesn't go second, then I think the dominoes are interesting, and and that that's kind of maybe where you want to set up your betting, right? Um, if you think, you know. If you think Wilson goes second, then I think the market might be somewhat efficient. If you think he doesn't, then I think there's tons of holes between where the where the numbers are and and where you think that they'll land. 
Uh, and so I think that that's some betting opportunity for the folks involved. Uh, George, I do have ball sack or just whack. Oh, do you? Let's get it. I have a couple of them here. Okay, first one. I called up this. So this is this is uh, by um, Damon Lillard. I called up Will Smith after to commend his loyalty. I told him, hey, man, I'm inspired. Loyalty is rare, and I ain't leaving Portland anytime soon. That's that's absolutely ball sack. It is the ball sack. That, <laughs> I mean, that one's too easy. That one's too easy. Um, love Damian Lillard. There's <laughs> there's no way he's doing that. We need to find that guy. Damian Lillard. Da, you know who Damian Lillard is? Damian Lillard is um, is Matt Stafford. Okay. We need to find it. We need to find him a good home. Okay, I, I like. I, I don't mind that at all. All right, this next one, ball sack or just whack? Adam Sandler is legit. Not pro legit, but he's definitely LA Fitness, 24-hour fitness legit. He's a great facilitator on the court. Shaquille O'Neal. <laughs> There's a picture of, of Adam Sandler. One picture, it's pretty epic. He's got these like long 19, like early 2000s basketball shorts down to like his knees. He's got like a, a purple t-shirt that comes down like halfway to halfway down, you know, like a, like, yeah, you yeah. know, Hey, I, I sling in my pink tee, that kind of shirt. And then he's got like this, like pinky sling thing. He, and then there's another one where the guy is just sitting there with some like white shoes he got from like Walmart probably. And at, with a mask. So it must be during the pandemic beard. And he's like slunched over, clearly sweating, clearly tired. Um, what, where do you think that came from? Um, I gotta say, this does, (laughs) I'm trying, because Shaq's obviously on, on the NBA on TNT, and, like, they talk about a bunch of, like, funny shit, and, like, Adam Sandler does play a lot of basketball and does dress like a complete doofus when he does. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say this is Shaq. I'm gonna say Shaq actually said that. You are two for two today, so despite the fogginess, you are sharp. Look at um, that. Yeah, I, I have a treat. I have whack. a treat George for you. Two and zero today. I have a treat for you. So the Masters is coming up. It is. We are just about ten ish days away. Um, actually, less than that, I guess, because Thursday it starts not this Thursday, but next Thursday. Um, and so I have a golf, um, a golf thing to read you. Okay. Um, this is uh, a statement by Donald J. Trump, 45th president of the United States of America. <laughs> Many people are asking, so I'll give it to you now. It's 100% true. While playing with the legendary golfer Ernie Els, winner of four majors and approximately, approximately 72 other tournaments throughout the world, Gene Sowers, winner of the Senior U.S. Open, Ken Duke, and Mike Good. Both excellent sure, tour sure players. Ken and not David. <laughs> I made a uh, both excellent tour players. I made a hole in one. It took place at Trump International Golf Club in West Palm Beach, Florida, on the seventh hole, which was playing 181 yards into a slight wind. Note: slight wind. I hit a five iron, which sailed magnificently into a rather strong wind, with approximately five feet of cut. Whereupon. It bounced twice and then went clank. 
into the hole. These great tour players noticed it before I did because their eyes are slightly better. But on that one hole only, their swings weren't. Anyway, there's a lot of chatter about it, quite exciting, and people everywhere seem to be asking for the facts. Playing with that group of wonderful, talented players was a lot of fun. The match was Ernie and me with no strokes against Gene, Mike, and Ken. I won't tell you who won because I am a very modest individual. And you will then say I was bragging. And I don't like people who brag. <laughs> this was a press ah. release by the 45th president of the United States of America. There is a video of him celebrating this hole in one. And it is the funniest video I've seen in quite some time. My favorite part, and I want to know what your favorite part was here in a second. My favorite part was that he describes the hole as playing into a slight wind. But when he hit his five iron, it sailed magnificently into a rather strong wind. The slight wind and the strong wind separated only by a sentence. Yeah, the name dropping was good. Was good. How about um, his modesty? How do you feel about his modesty? The five iron was good. <laughs> um, the clank, because it doesn't clank, right? It doesn't clank. It's more, yeah, I don't know if it's if it's quite a clank. Also, like This also isn't it, like a full court shot that banks off the backboard. Yeah, also if it clanked, I think he would have heard it, right? Yeah. So, I mean, there's so much to unpack there. I, I actually don't, you know, look, the guy is, you know, six you know, reportedly six three, two thirty. Um, you know, so a svelte man. Uh you know, he plays he played golf what, like every other day when he was president, so he's he's gotta be good at it. There's no there's no way he's not good at golf. I mean, clearly. He had a five iron into a rather strong wind and it <laughs> so like went in the hole. I also just I, like do you just feel bad a little bit that I, mean, I don't the feel president. Bad. You were the leader of the free world. Like, do you? Why do you need bad. our approval anymore? I don't feel bad. I I think this is. I think this is a new trend. I, I think he's starting a new trend. I, I think that putting out press releases for random shit that you do that's impressive to you during the day is important. You should when do more. Biden, when Biden leaves office, his press releases I think will be much more like mundane. Like, I finished Luminosity today. I, I think I think I think one of his might be I got out of bed today. Damn, it feels good. <laughs> yeah, I finished a movie with my wife. Didn't I, fall asleep. Like, walked yeah, I, walked downstairs. I, it was a two diaper day. <laughs> I closed it out with I'm a very modest in, individual. You know I don't like to brag. <laughs> no, see, no, no. I don't. Even, he didn't even say that. He said. Doesn't he, didn't he say he doesn't like other people who brag? See, that was yes. a clear distinction. I, I, I think he loves – I think he clearly loves bragging. He hates other people who brag, and, and I think that's very consistent. I actually think that was the most based thing he said the whole, the whole speech. There you go. So you got a little bonus in there. Um, this was our Wednesday podcast. We'll be back with you on Sunday. We hope you enjoyed. We love you all. Peace out. In the dark you shine.